Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 30 of Revelation chapter 18. We're going to be reading verse 21. And a mighty angel took up a stone, like a great millstone, and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down, and shall be found no more at all. We saw in our last study that the mighty angel is Christ, and the uh, stone that he's taken up, which is said to be like a great millstone, which he cast it into the sea, is a type and figure of Babylon as stone or a mountain in the Bible typifies kingdoms. And this represents the kingdom of Satan. And and so it's being cast into the sea to picture the wrath of God. And, uh, and, and it is an eternal wrath. It, it is the, uh, ultimately at the end of Babylon's judgment, it is a complete annihilation in which she will never be found again. Now when we go back to Jeremiah chapter 51, which this verse in Revelation is drawing from, we read in Jeremiah 51 in verses 63 and 64, And it shall be, when thou hast made an end of reading this book, that thou shalt bind a stone to it, and cast it into the midst of Euphrates. And thou shalt say, Thus shall Babylon sink, and shall not rise from the evil that I will bring upon her, and they shall be weary. Thus far the words of Jeremiah. God here is indicating you take the stone and and the book, the book of Jeremiah, or the Bible, and you tie the book to the stone, and you cast them into the Euphrates River, and they will sink. And it's as though the Word of God is pulling down and and causing Babylon to sink into the depths of the water. And that uh, is because it is the word of God that is declaring the judgment of the world at this time of Judgment Day, when God has brought the whole world into uh, the condition of being in hell or in the grave because he has ended his salvation program and thereby he has guaranteed death for every unsaved inhabitant of the earth at this point in time of Judgment Day. Now the verse in uh, Jeremiah 51.64 that says, uh, Once Babylon sinks and shall not rise from the evil that I will bring upon her. Well, that word rise is also translated uh, as rise in Isaiah chapter 24. And Isaiah 24 is a chapter in which God is, um, in verse after verse, describing the end of the world, the final judgment of mankind. It's very detailed, very in-depth. It says in Isaiah 24, 
beginning in verse 19, The earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard, and shall be removed like a cottage, and the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it, and it shall fall and not rise again. So, uh, of course, that that's um, similar language to what we're reading in Revelation 18.21 concerning Babylon. And this is additional confirmation that Babylon is representative of the earth, the world. It, it is all the nations of the world. Also, in Jeremiah chapter 25, we, we read uh, similar things. Jeremiah 25, beginning in verse 27. And, and uh, let me just remind us all that in Jeremiah 25, uh, God is speaking of the cup of his wrath that he first gives to the city, called by his name, Jerusalem and Judah. And, and then he turns his attention to the various nations, and they also drink of the cup. And that's what's being discussed here in Jeremiah twenty-five twenty-seven. Therefore thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith Jehovah of hosts, the God of Israel, Drink ye, and be drunken, and spew, and fall, and rise no more, because of the sword which I will send among you. And it shall be, if they refuse to take the cup at thine hand to drink, then shalt thou say unto them, Thus saith Jehovah of hosts, ye shall certainly drink. For lo, I begin to bring evil in the city which is called by my name, and should ye be utterly unpunished, ye shall not be utterly unpunished. For I will call for a sword upon all the inhabitants of the earth, saith Jehovah of hosts. So again, it, it's the cup of God's wrath. God says, drink, and and then you will fall and rise no more. And how did Revelation 18 start out? Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And this is exactly what God has in mind, that they're fallen because they are drinking of the cup of his wrath. It's judgment day, and they they will rise up no more. They will not rise in the resurrection of God's people unto life. They will not rise in the rapture, because only God's elect will rise, they they are um, fallen and they will never rise again. As it says here, it, it is um, the end for the unsaved individual of the world. Okay, going back to Revelation 18 and verse 21, I'll read it again. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone, and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down. And and again, the word thrown down is the word removed, where in Matthew 21, the Lord speaks of uh, the mountain that, that is removed and cast into the sea. Babylon is thrown down, uh, yet... The Lord adds, with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down. And when we look up the word violence, 
it's Strong's number 3731. And there's a related word. This is, this is not the typical word for violence, but there's a related word that's used, uh, three times. It's uh, Strong's number 3729. And, uh, we'll, we'll read two of the three times. In Matthew chapter 8, it says, beginning in verse 31, So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea, and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything and what was befallen to the possessed of the devils. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coast. This is when Christ heals the man possessed with devils. He casts out the devils and they enter into the herd of swine. Now over in Mark chapter 5, uh, we we get a little bit more information beginning in verse 7. And there it says, And cried with a loud voice, and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion for we are many. And he besought him much, that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out, and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And uh, here uh, again we read that the the man with legion, the, the devils, were uh, beseeching Christ that he not torment them and and then Jesus cast out the devils into the swine and they quickly run down a steep place actually it says they ran violently down which is our word in revelation 18:21 and notice the connection babylon is violently thrown down into the sea and the herd of swine runs violently down into the sea so we we definitely have um a tie-in through this word violence or violently and also the picture is judgment day in revelation 18 and also here with the herd of swine and the fallen angels their their time of judgment of final judgment and destruction comes and it's illustrated by this descent into the sea once they enter into the swine. And 
and then they're choked in the sea. Now, the, the word choked, this particular word, is only found uh, one other place. And it's found in um, the parable of a man who was forgiven much by his Lord. And, and then, after beseeching his Lord uh, to grant him the forgiveness of a great debt, and then he was let go. And he had a fellow servant who owed him very little. And he took the man by the throat and said, Pay me what thou owest. And that that phrase, took the man by the throat, it's a translation of the same Greek word, choked. And what did that parable illustrate? The man's lack of forgiveness. No forgiveness. Even though he had been forgiven, he in turn did not show forth forgiveness to his fellow servant. And and God does tell us uh, and command us, forgiving one another, forbearing one another, even as God has forgiven you for Christ's sake. And and, and so when we read of the man taking the, the other man by the throat, it indicates no forgiveness. And likewise, there's no forgiveness for the fallen angels that are now indwelling these swine, so they're choked in the sea. There is no salvation for them. They're under the wrath of God. They're destroyed by the wrath of God forevermore. As as it says in uh, Revelation 18.21, they will no more rise again. It says that of Babylon, but it's the same truth here. And uh, And so God is illustrating the penalty of no forgiveness in the day of judgment through uh, these swine running violently down a steep place into the sea. Now, it also says that there were about 2,000 of the swine. And that's because from the time that this historical event is taken place, there there was a day in the time of Christ's ministry, I, I don't know if we can pinpoint the year, um, 30 A.D., 32, or 33 A.D. I'm not sure exactly when this has taken place. Let's say between 30 and 33 A.D. Historically, the, the man had legion. Jesus encountered him. Jesus cast out the legion of devils into a herd of swine that were um, nearby. And then that herd took off, running violently down a steep hill and into the sea. Can you imagine uh, if you owned the swine, and and that's why the people of the city came out. I I mean, it was a huge herd, almost 2,000 swine that were uh, uh, grazing or, or wandering out there at that time. And every single one of them, the whole herd, ran down that that steep place and into the sea, and they were all choked. They all drowned and died. And and so the the sea would have been uh, filled with these swine. They they would have been everywhere. And no wonder, uh, out of I'm sure with fear, of course they. It, they ought not have to have done this, but they came out 
and beckon Jesus to move on from their city. They were terribly frightened. It was an awful thing uh, to uh, to see and and to witness, and and a fearful thing. And and so they asked Christ to move along. It was a tremendous illustration of the final judgment of mankind that would take place about 2,000 years from that point in history. Again, about 30 to 33 A.D. during Jesus' ministry. And you go about 2,000 years into the future. Notice how God um, uses the word about. He, he's not exact. Uh, he, he's not telling us the precise number of years. But it is a verse that gives us a general idea of when Judgment Day will be. About 2,000 years. Uh, 2011, May 21, 2011 qualifies uh, as that's about 2,000 years. 2015 qualifies. That's about uh, 2,000 years. And there, there's another uh, scripture in the Old Testament where God uses the very same number and the same qualifier about 2,000 years in the book of Joshua. And that's in Joshua chapter 3. And this this actually confirms the account of the swine because of the setting, the context in, in which both of these numbers and statements are given, both indicate a final judgment from the time of Christ's ministry. And uh, I know that, well, how could God do that in the Old Testament? But we know uh, Jesus was present when the swine ran down into the sea. But how could God indicate Christ's ministry in the Old Testament? Well, if we go to Joshua 3, it says in verse 3, And they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of Jehovah your God, and the priest, the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. And God is speaking to Israel, and he he's saying, as they're about to cross the river Jordan, into the promised land of Canaan. And, and, and therefore the river Jordan, which must be crossed, it's a, it's a, a, a body of water and, and the, the water typifies again the wrath of God in order to make it to uh, the land of Canaan typifying heaven. Just as crossing the Red Sea was a body of water and and you you had to cross through the water in order to get to the other side in in that historical parable to uh, make it to heaven and and so God parted the Red Sea and God um, holds the water of the river Jordan he has it stand up in order that they can cross over on dry ground and and so the ark goes first and the ark of the covenant 
is in itself a picture of Christ. And, and, and so the priests carry the ark into the Jordan, and as soon as their feet uh, of the priests touch the river Jordan, then the water begins to, it, it begins to uh, stand up. Let, let's actually read what happened. It says in uh, Joshua 3.15, As they, they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city Adam that is beside Zeratan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain even the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho, and the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of Jehovah stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. So the ark goes first, and once the feet of the priests touch the brim of the water, the water stands up because the water of a river would flow downward. It, it, it's not like a sea that's that's churning back and forth and must be parted. God just stopped the flow of the water, causing the water to stand up that was coming down, uh, as it says, I think, from the city Adam. And, and then he created miraculously dry ground. It, it certainly should have been damp for quite a while, muddy, but it was dry. And and then Israel passed over, and there was a space of two thousand cubits from the point of the priest entry, and and then once Jordan stood up and became dry, then Israel began to move. And they would have had to pass the ark and, and the priests that were bearing the ark. And they would have gone, uh, by them and over to the other side of the river. And yet the important thing, well, one of the important things is that they were located about 2,000 cubits behind the ark. Or to put it another way, from the point that Christ entered into the world to make manifest the things he had done at, at the world's foundation, from the time Christ went to the cross, it was a, a vivid picture of him under the wrath of God, which, again, crossing Jordan, um, it was necessary for Christ to go first, typified by the ark, in order that the water not uh, drown the Israelites in order to make a way for them. Christ had to go first. And and so he did in that manifestation in 33 AD. And then about 2,000 years later, again, May 21, 2011 is about 2,000 years from the cross. We have um, October 7, 2015, if we're correct, is the completion of Judgment Day and the time when all the elect cross into the new heaven and new earth. And and so all Israel was about 2,000 years 
all spiritual Israel, all the elect behind Christ first making a way through Jordan to the other side. Uh, by the way, I just want to uh, point this out because sometimes people wonder, you know, what would Mr. Camping think about uh, developing a timeline from 1600 furlongs? As it says in Revelation 14.20, that the blood came out of the winepress by the space of 1600 furlongs. Well, here God says, that there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. And uh, in Psalm 39, the, the same word measure is found in verse 4, where it says, Jehovah, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. And there God is tying together a measure with the end and, and make me to know mine end and the measure of my days. So God is using um, a word uh, that uh, relates to measurement. It's the identical word here, a space of about 2,000 cubits. 2,000 cubits is not time. It's not days or weeks or months or years. It's a measurement. You, you go 2,000 cubits, uh, all Israel, you stand back there, and you could measure that out. And yet, God connects uh, in Psalm 39.4, knowing mine end and the measure of my days. He connects time with measurement. And Mr. Camping, in his Bible studies, is the one uh, in in both of these cases that is pointed out about 2,000 swine relates to about 2,000 years from from the time of Christ. And he's also pointed out about 2,000 cubits ties into about 2,000 years. So he, uh, he has already in his Bible studies uh, discovered the same thing that yes, you can. It, it's the Bible. It's how God speaks and and hides things. He he's able to take a branch as he does in the book of Genesis, or three branches and relate it to three days, and and he can also take measurements like cubits and relate it about two thousand cubits to about two thousand years, or he can take a measurement such as furlongs, 1,600 furlongs, and related to 1,600 days. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.